teach about the blessing of a fresh start. I know that, and I think we all know, and I hope we all understand, that we are not to esteem days one higher than another day. The scripture tells us not to do that. You don't esteem one day as being greater than another. Um, Why is that? It's because he is uh, the Lord of the Sabbath, and he has become our Sabbath. And so every day is the same with Jesus. Every day is the same with Jesus. We have, we have the comforter with us all the time. We have the mediator with us all the time. We have the one uh, that reconciled the world into himself with us all the time. And so I don't have to wait for Sunday to have a good day. I can have a good day on Monday. I know the world doesn't think that's possible. You get on social media on Monday, and sometimes you get on on Tuesday or Thursday, and somebody says, it's a Monday. (laughs) We know what they mean. They're just having a rough day, and, and we understand that. But aren't we thankful that even in the midst of a rough day, we understand that God is with us? And so um, we don't esteem days higher than another. But I do think that said, I do think there is something in us as as human beings. When we get to this time of the year, we kind of look at it as starting over again, don't we? Anybody here ever played Monopoly? Anybody here ever been the person who threw the Monopoly board up whenever you got out? Yeah. Um, Probably most of us here at some point have played Monopoly, and uh, you go around the board, and and you just keep going around and around and around, and every once in a while, you have to go straight to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200, and uh, but you keep going round and round, and you've kind of, in your mind, you get it that when you've come around, what is it, uh, park place, and, and uh, what's boardwalk boardwalk and park place and you come around them you know you're at the end and it's time to come around the corner and you're going to start all over again uh and and you look if you lost all your money on the way around that trip you're looking forward to coming around there because you're getting at least two hundred dollars unless you wind up going to jail and so uh it's a bit of a fresh start well when we get around to the first of the year we kind of tend to look at this a little bit in the same manner. It becomes a time of new beginnings. It becomes a time of starting over. And so I want to talk tonight about the blessing of a fresh start. And I'm going to read to you from Ephesians 4 and 17. It says this. Paul is speaking to the church. Notice this. He is speaking to people who have already uh, been saved. This is the church. He's not talking to... to, uh, Sinners, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. And he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being alienated. This is, now he said, let let me just kind of set this up. He is telling this church, he's saying, from this point on, don't walk as The other Gentiles walk. They walk like this. They walk in the vanity of their minds. 
Their understanding is darkened. They are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. He said, I'm telling you, you don't walk that way but because you have not so learned of Christ. Verse number 20. You have not so learned of Christ. You have learned a different way. Anybody remember that song said, I've found a better way, brighter path for my feet. My soul has joy complete. What is that right? I've found my heart has joy complete. I've found a better way. And since I've found the church, I've found a place to pray. And there down on my knees I found a bit. See, I know old songs. Had to have help with a word, but I knew Brother David would be able to pull me out of that. (laughs) (coughs) You have not so learned of Christ. You learned a better way. Verse 21. If so be, if, everybody say if. You've learned of Christ if you have heard him. And have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, that you would put off concerning the former lifestyle that you lived, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Here's what Paul is basically telling them. Apparently, there were some issues going on at the church in Ephesus, and people were reverting back to the way they used to be. They were going back to how it used to be, and Paul was trying to tell that church. He said, let's put the brakes on this right now. Um, You don't need to go back to who you used to be and how you used to live your life You don't want to go back to the life that these other Gentiles are still living in. You learn differently from Christ. And you were taught another way. And and you heard of him. And you have been taught of him as the truth is in Jesus. He said it's time for you to take that old lifestyle and to cast it away. And it's time for you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man that's created in righteousness and true holiness. Paul was telling them what I'm telling all of us tonight. It's time for a fresh start. And there is a blessing in a fresh start. There's something wonderful about getting the chance to start it all over again. Something wonderful about that. To know that God has given you and I the opportunity. That we don't have to continue in some things that maybe we picked up in this past year. Is there anybody, I'm not, I'm not asking you to, to, we're not saying you've been involved in all kinds of horrible sin, but is there anybody, there's just things maybe that, that you picked up this past year that you don't want to carry into 2018? I know I feel that way. There's things I don't want to go with me in 2018. I'm ready to let it go. And, and here's the thing. We serve a good king, don't we? We serve a good king. And a good king knows that there will be times when his servants need to regroup. 
A good king knows this, and, and he is mindful of it, and he gives opportunity. And there's two times, there's two ways in which we need to regroup. One way and is that, and I'm going to deal with it more here in just a, a, a bit, but one way is, is we just begin to slack off. And we begin to allow things into our life that don't need to be there. And there's probably nobody in this room that has never allowed that to happen. Right? We all, we all, we all go there. It <coughs> and it helps us to know this. <laughs> that, uh, you know, we came up here. Didn't we have a great service Sunday? Brother Clinton, you preached a great, marvelous message. And when we had our elders, and, and by the way, last Wednesday night, Brother uh, Tim and Brother Jimmy, thank them so much also. I meant to say something about that Sunday. <laughs> Sister Belinda, thank you all for helping us last Wednesday night. I heard great reports as well. Um, we, we need to understand and, and, and realize that we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're going to at times hit walls. You're going to hit walls. Um, this isn't my message tonight, but a good friend of mine preached a message of along these lines. I think he said he preached it Sunday. Um, he's not very far from here. And, uh, and, I, and I heard him saying he was going to preach this. So I guess he did. And I, when he said it, I thought, well, that's a great sermon thought. I need to preach that sometime. And, uh, but he said he was going to preach about there will be giants. There will be giants. And what he meant was, is I'm assuming what he meant was, is that when Israel finally crossed that Jordan River and entered into the promised land, uh, you need to understand that although you're going into the land of promise, although you're going into the place uh, of inheritance, there's still going to be giants there you have to fight. It's not, it's not going to always come easy. It's not going to always be without difficulty. It's not going to always be without a fight. There will be giants there. But we are promised that the Lord is with us. And we are promised that God said, it's yours. All you have to do is go in and possess it. If you will make the attempt, I will back you up. I will back you up. And so there will be giants. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, living for God, there's going to be some giants. There's going to be battles and there's going to be difficulties. There will be walls. I have, I have. It, it seemed like everything be going wonderful, you know, and, and and just just smooth sailing. And all of a sudden, it feels like you bump up against something. And and what in the world is going on here? What is this resistance I begin to feel? Or what is this? Uh, what is this uh, thing that seems to be trying to hinder what God is doing in my life? What's going on here? It. It's natural. It's going to happen, and I'm going to deal with it, and you are going to deal with it. And <coughs> so this church in Ephesus wasn't a bad church. They've just got people like you and me who are dealing with things that have come up to the surface. And Paul is telling them, we need to get you through this. And, and so um, there, there's, there's going to be times where we have to we have to uh, understand that a good king knows we're going to fight those battles. But here's the other thing. Sometimes uh, there's some things that, that we need to regroup from, and it is not because uh, anything within us. It's not because we made a mistake. It's not because we, we uh, stumbled in our walk with God. 
though that will happen at times. But there's going to be some times where we need to regroup, and it's simply because we've been in the service of the king. Anybody remember this other old song? When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night. Right? Sometimes in service for the Lord, we encounter things that beat us up. Let me give you an Old Testament example of this happening. David, as king of Israel, is also a type of the Lord at times in their life. And and he sent some of his servants to Haman, a, a neighboring king, And he really was just trying to have a good relationship with the guy. And he sends his servants there. And when they get there, that king's uh, confidants tell him, say, no, they're not here for, this is just all subterfuge. They're not here to to really uh, establish a relationship. They're really here because they want to spy out your kingdom. And and, uh, they said, you need to to take care of this. So he, he did everything he could to humiliate them. He shaved off half of their beard, and, and that was a tremendous insult. And, uh, and matter of fact, I almost preached down that, uh, down that line of, of the things that represented. Not only did he trim off half their beard, he, he cut off half of their clothing so that they were uh, indecently exposed and embarrassed and sent them back on their way to David. And David heard what had happened, and he sent somebody out there to meet him, and he told him, he said, listen, you tell them, uh, don't come back here yet. You tell them to go over to this other city, and they just need to stay there until their beards be grown back, and they uh, can walk back into Jerusalem and not feel embarrassed by the way that they look because of what this man has done to them. Sometimes... They didn't do that didn't happen to them because of any fault of their own. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't make any mistake. They just simply went to do what the king told them to do. And the enemy opposed them in such a way that they were embarrassed. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes the devil gets so angry at the people of God that he rises up against us and he does stuff that hurts. Anybody here ever been hurt by the devil? He works in lives, and he works in, 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 in families, and he works in churches, and he does everything he can to hurt the people of God and to humiliate us. But thank the Lord that God says, that's okay. You come on. I got a place for you to go where you can refresh, you can regroup, and we will get through this. Sometimes you just got to give God a little bit of time. Just got to give God a little bit of time. And so we serve a good king, and our good king knows when we need to regroup. So, talking about the blessing of a fresh start, let me tell you some things we need to recognize if we're going to receive and have this fresh start that I'm talking about tonight. We must recognize when there are areas of our lives that are lacking or they are not in order with the word of God. we got to get honest. Look at your neighbor and say, get honest. We've got to be honest. It does no good for us to try to hide these things. Why do we try to hide things from God that God already knows? 
you know, we, I guess we think we're, we're really doing something, you know, because we don't mention it in prayer with them. As if by not saying anything about it, then we're really not having to deal with it. But I'm going to tell you right now, he knows. He knows. And we need to understand that there is value in recognizing when there are places in our lives that are not right with God. And I am, I am telling you that if you're going to enter into a, a time of renewal, and if you're going to really experience a fresh start in 2018, the first thing that everybody in this room, under the sound of my voice tonight, needs to do is we need to ask God to show us the areas of our lives where we are not what we ought to be. Surely none of us in here are so full of ourselves and so vain and prideful that we can't recognize that there are things that have crept into our hearts in, in this past year that have no place there. Surely none of us in this room would be so prideful that, that we can't admit, God, my prayer life is not what it needs to be. Or Lord, my fasting life is not what it needs to be. Or God... My commitment to you in some areas is not what it needs to be. Lord, some things that I promised you, that I said I was going to do, I haven't followed through with them. We've got to recognize this. How do we expect God to fix what we will not open up to him? The thing, you know, the Lord told Jeremiah, he said, I want you to go down to the potter's house and there you're going to learn something. So Jeremiah gets up, he goes to the potter's house and um, when he gets there, he just observes the potter, and the potter's working on a vessel. And the scripture said that while it was yet in the hands of the potter, the vessel became marred. And there was, there was something in it that wasn't right, and it came to the surface. And, and the, the, the potter, uh, he didn't throw it away. Reminds me of another old song. He didn't throw it away. He just said, that's okay, I'll start over with it. I'll give him a fresh start. The thing was, though, that clay had to be within the hands of the potter. And the clay had to be subjected and submitted to the hand of the potter. If I don't submit myself to the potter, he can't make me over again. If I don't allow the imperfection in my life to be exposed in his hands, I can't expect him to make me something useful in the kingdom. And you and I have got to come to grips with that. We've got to understand that there is power. There is power and value in, in being honest and saying, Lord, there's some things not right within me. Let me tell you one of the worst things that can happen to any of us and. You better hear me right now because I feel, when I say this, I almost feel a, a sense of heaviness because this is so powerful. Uh, we better pray that, that we don't ever get to the point David got at one point in his life when it took the prophet of the Lord coming to him to point his finger in his face and expose him and say, Thou art the man. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That was a humiliating moment for David. And that was a terrible, terrible uh, time in his life. 
because he would have kept going, sweeping that under the rug. But the Lord was showing us that there are some things that cannot be long swept under the rug. And you're going to have to ad- Im- admit it, and you're going to have to own up to it. And, and for all of us that are in this room right now, we will all be so much better off if we will simply make the decision to fess up to God before he pulls it out of us. I don't want him to have to pull it out of me. I don't want him to have to send somebody to me and point their finger in my face and say, you know you're wrong. I want to I go to him with it first. And we'll save ourselves, yeah, there's going to be heartache, but we'll save ourselves a whole lot more heartache if we'll deal with it correctly when we need to. Amen. Is this all right? So we've got to recognize the areas of our lives that are lacking. They're not in order with the word of God. Um, we must recognize, that being said, we must also recognize that the mercy and the grace of God is still available. <laughs> I feel like in 2018, I want to preach more about God's mercy and grace. I want to remind people, it doesn't matter how far you've gone. Our God is still there and our God is still willing to welcome you back home. But God couldn't love me. Let me ask you a question. When that prodigal left and he embarrassed their family and he spent all that he had on riotous living and and wasted an inheritance, wasted, completely wasted and, and lost an inheritance in just a relatively short amount of time. Um, and he found himself in a pig pen did that father ever quit loving him no he he loved him through it all thank goodness he loved him through it all he did not approve of it at all but he loved him through it all and there are some things that we may have done areas in our lives that may not be what they should be where we are not right with god but it doesn't mean god doesn't love you but I've made a lot of mistakes. I keep, I keep seeming to make the same mistake, Pastor. I'm going to still tell you, God loves you. And the mercy of God and the grace of God is still available to you at this point in time. And that is why whenever he looked down the road and he saw his son coming back down that road, he, he took off running to him. He ran to meet him. He ran to meet him, and uh, he fell on him, and he hugged him, and he kissed him. This is my son that was lost and is now found. This is the one who forsook everything, but now he has come back home. And the first thing that the father did is said, I'm going to help you get back to where you need to get, and I'm going to extend mercy to you, and I'm going to extend grace to you. How do you know he extended mercy and grace to him? Let me, sh- let me tell you how I know. He extended mercy to him by continuing to call him son. This is my son, he said. So he extended mercy, saying he's still, in the, he's still the same person to me he always was. He extended grace, and grace is different. Mercy is when you don't get what you should have got. 
Grace is when you do get uh, what you shouldn't have gotten. That makes sense to you? Let me show you what I mean. Mercy means that God gave me, uh, didn't give me what I deserve to get. I deserve to, if I'm the prodigal son, I deserve to, to probably be still out in that pig pen. At the, at the least, at the most I could expect, as he expected, is that maybe I'd be made like a hired servant in the father's house. Mercy said, no, we're not going to do it that way. Mercy said, you're still my son. But grace took it a step farther. And grace said, now I'm going to give you the tools you need for you to operate in the sonship to which I have called you. He said, put a ring on his finger. He said, put shoes on his feet and put a robe on his back. Why? He said, I want you to be able to operate in the fullness of what you are to me, and that is my son. It was mercy and it was grace. And I am going to tell you today that no matter what happened last year, God's mercy, God's grace is still available for you and I right here and right now. It is still available. His mercies are made new every day. Every day that I get up, God says, it's one more day. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you my mercy. Every day I get up, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. The grace of God which leadeth me is the grace of God that is pulling me and that is directing me and is helping me to become what I ought to become. And God's mercy and grace is available to everybody in this room tonight. But I wasn't the husband I should have been this year. I wasn't the wife I should have been this year. I wasn't the mother. I wasn't the father I should have been this year. Mercy and grace from God is going to help you going forward. But I wasn't the saint I should have been this year. God's mercy and God's grace is available. It's going to help you going forward. I'm talking about the blessing of a fresh start. The blessing. Of a fresh start. You need to recognize it. You need to believe God's word. About his mercy and grace. The third thing. Is that we need to recognize. That we have the ability. To leave old things behind. We have the ability. To leave old things behind. Now if you would just get this scripture ready for me. Sister Laura. Hebrews 12 and 1. I'm going to be going there in just a moment. Let me say something about our sins. Uh, there's, two, there's two perspectives we need to consider when talking about our sins. One of them is God's perspective, and the other one is our perspective. Now, from God's perspective, when we repent of our sins, they're gone. Anybody still believe that? When we repent of our sins, they are gone. They are under the blood. They can't, the enemy can't use them against us. We've, we've talked before about Satan uh, being the accuser of the brethren and, and the Lord being our advocate. And it, it brings to mind a courtroom in which God is, this is, this is part of what is awesome. Not only is he my judge, he's my advocate. He is the mediator between God and man. So uh, the, the enemy, Satan, stands there and he begins to accuse 
and he begins to talk about what I have done and what I used to be. And the advocate for me steps up and says, none of these accusations have any merit. I can't find any of them on the books anymore, Your Honor. And the judge says, I can't see that any of these things exist. Why is it they've been expunged? There is no record of them to God. They are underneath the blood. Oh, to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. So they're not, from God's perspective, our sins are covered. But you and I know from our perspective, we remember them. Do we not? We remember them. I remember sin in my life. I can remember things that I repented of years ago. I believe it's under the blood. The Lord don't remember it, but I do. And that's why Satan becomes the accuser of the brethren. He knows that it's not going to have any sway with the judge, but if he can use it against me and get me to think that it's still around, he knows he can get in my head and mess with me. And so he comes and he continually accuses and accuses and accuses, brings up stuff that's way in the past. And um, I, I want you to understand that stuff's gone. As far as the Lord is uh, considered, it's as far as the east is from the west. But from our perspective, we know that there are things out there that, that we did, and we seem to have a harder time letting it go. And some of that becomes a weight to us. Sometimes our past becomes a Has anybody here ever dealt with that? Your past becoming a weight to you? And something that you carry and carry, and it seems like you just can't get it off your shoulders. But I want to talk to you and tell you just a little bit about weight and sin. Hebrews 12 and 1, if you put that on the screen. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, from God's perspective, my sins are covered. From mine, I still see it. And though I still see it, it doesn't mean I have to carry it with me anymore. And what I want to tell you tonight is that if there are things you've been carrying with you from mistakes you made over the last several months or years, if there are things that you have been carrying for a while, it is time for you to lay them down. Lay aside every weight. Lay aside the sin which does so easily beset you. Lay it down. Quit carrying it with you. Quit loading it into a backpack and strapping it on every day and going out into the world and trying to get through carrying a whole load of something that God never intended for you to carry. Lay it down lay it down it's not the will of God for you to carry that anymore I came to the altar and I thought I had gotten victory over it and, but I just can't seem to get over it let me tell you whose fault it's not it's not God's fault I want to say that again I thought I, I thought I got over all that stuff at the altar and I, and, and I got up and I felt so good and and, and now I just seem to be under the same struggle all the time, and I still feel all, it's not God's fault. God didn't put that on you. You came and picked that back up. He let it go. He put it under the blood. 
you picked it back up and you decided to carry it with you. And you're carrying a load God never intended you to carry. No wonder we're so drugged down. No wonder we're so bent and oppressed. No wonder, spiritually speaking, if we could, if our eyes could be opened and we could see ourselves in the spirit, no wonder some of us look so haggard. Some of us look so weary. Some of us are dragging. Some of us are stumbling and crawling trying to make it because we're weighted underneath things that God never intended for you to keep on carrying. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you don't remember it. There's things that I will forever remember until the Lord causes me to forget in that great city over there. Until that day, I'll remember it. I'll never be able to forget it unless unless I somehow I lose my mind. I'll never forget those things. They'll always be there in my mind. But I don't have to live under the guilt and condemnation of them. And that's the kind of weight that I'm talking about right now. And God said, you just, you just need to lay that down. Lay it down. I, I, I already dealt with the sin issue in your life. Why would you carry what I had not ordained for you to carry? Lay it down. So, weights and sins are to be let, laid down and left. But let's talk about something else. Let's talk about failure. Anybody here ever failed? I've failed. I've made I've made some decisions that that were horrible decisions in which I failed God, I failed family, I failed friends, I failed loved ones, I failed people. Failures are not to be laid down. Failures are to be forgotten. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 if you could put that on the screen for me. And, let, and I'm going to explain to you what that word forgotten means here in just a moment. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Go back to verse 13 for just a moment, if you would. He said, uh, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but I'm doing one thing. I'm forgetting the things behind, and I'm reaching forward to the things that are before. There are some things, there are failures that need to be forgotten. There are things behind you that it is time that you forget. There are things behind you that it is time that you forget. That word forgotten it doesn't mean to have your memory expunged because, again, that is an impossibility. That's an impossibility. Nobody in this room can feasibly do that, can you? It's an impossibility. So what does it mean to forget? That word means to be neglected. Everybody say neglected. A neglected house eventually falls down, doesn't it? Have you ever driven by an old house somewhere maybe out in the field and for whatever reason it just got left there and no somebody moved out or passed away and no one else ever came to live in that house and uh, at one time it was kept up but over time of being neglected it just began to fall apart you ever seen something like that look at old barns when you 
when you're driving through the countryside, things that are falling down, they fell simply by reason of neglect. The reason that the past is so big in many people's lives is because they tend it all the time. Hello. They tend it all the time. They constantly make trips back there. They constantly go back to the area of their failure in their mind, and they relive it, and they relive it, and they relive it over and over and over and over again. And they keep making trips. And every time something goes wrong, they go make a trip back to some point in time when they failed, and they say it's all because of this. And and they, they keep going back, and they keep reliving things that are in the past that God said it's time for you to forget them or it's time, rather, for you to neglect them. If you will neglect those things, they may still be out there, but if you will neglect it, it will fall into disrepair. And it will not have the the power over you that it used to have. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take you neglecting it for an awful long time in some cases. You've got to make it a point not to live in the past. Because if you tend it, it's going to stand forever. But if you will neglect it, it will fall down and it will lose all the power over you that it has had. And God said it's time for you to let it lose its power. Hallelujah. The fourth thing that we recognize tonight is that we have the ability to renew commitments when we have a fresh start. It gives us the ability to renew commitments. The scripture said that Isaac went and Isaac redug the wells of his father Abraham. Isaac said, there are some things that my dad dug out. And I'm not here to preach about digging the wells tonight, but you go study those wells and what they meant very powerful and Isaac was saying there are things and principles that my dad dug out and it's time for me to come along and me to make a fresh start in my life and I'm going to redig these same wells I'm going to dig them out some of them the enemy had come and the enemy had put stuff into them trying to stop them up others had fallen into disrepair but Isaac made a commitment that I will dig again these wells that matter in my life. It's time to have a fresh start. And I'm going to tell you, there's some things maybe that need to be redug in my life and in yours. There's things that need to be redug. There's commitments that need to be redug. There, 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 are, there are things that, that, that are scriptural principles that matter in the kingdom of God. That we need to come along and say, you know what? There's a bunch of stuff that's gotten in here. But I'm making up my mind. I'm getting it all out. I'm not going to deal with this any longer. I don't want these things stopping up the flow of the, of the spirit of God into my life. You want a fresh start? Redig some wells. What kind of wells should we redig, Pastor? Well, I wasn't going to preach about that tonight, but since you asked. We ought to redig wells. I'll tell you a good one to redig. The one Clinton preached about Sunday. Redig the well of faithfulness. Faithfulness in all the areas that he talked about Sunday. 
you haven't heard that message, you need to go online and listen to it. Redig those wells. Redig those wells. Go find what can I do, God, to get these things to flow in again in my life. There are some things that are never going to work in your life, in your home, in your family. It's never going to work. In your spiritual walk with God, it's never going to work until you redig the wells. Redig wells. Redig wells. You, you need to understand you've got the ability to renew those commitments with the Lord. There's, there's nothing to stop you from redigging those wells. There is nothing to stop you and I. And don't I can't redig them for you. Well, if he preaches about it, then maybe I'll redig that well. No, you're on the wrong track. You're on the wrong track. You've got to make up your mind to redig it. You've got to identify, as we talked about the very first thing, you've got to identify the area of your life that's lacking. Say, I'm going in there to redig this. Anybody believe that tonight? And the last thing I want to mention is this. We must recognize the value of godly priority. If we are going to experience the blessing of a fresh start, we must recognize the value of godly priorities. We can over-spiritualize this stuff to a great degree, and Pentecostals are the world's worst about over-spiritualizing. We like the spiritual everything. And I like spiritual everything. I'm not against that. But I'm going to tell you, there's some things, they don't have to feel spiritual to be right. Well, that was real good too. I may have tweeted myself. <laughs> there are some things that do not have to feel uh, spiritual to be right. You don't have to feel spiritual to pray. You don't have to feel spiritual to fast. You don't have to feel spiritual to read the Bible. You don't have to feel spiritual to give the Lord the first fruits of tithe and, and, and give an offering to him. You don't have to feel spiritual to do those things. You just do it. You just do it. Sean, you're, you stepped in tonight, and, and uh, we grew up in the same house, and, and there's a lot of times, he, he don't know where I'm going with this, so I got him all nervous now. There was a lot of times growing up in our house, there's a lot of things you and I didn't feel like doing, but we did it because it was the right thing to do, and we knew that two things. One, the Lord would be displeased if we didn't do it, and two, Dad would be displeased, and that might be worse than the Lord being displeased at times. Am I right? And there was some things we did, and uh, that was just that was just the way it was. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you why I, what I really strongly credit my salvation today to, in a lot of ways, is that my parents had great priorities. My parents had great priorities, strong, godly priorities. And those priorities kept me when other things didn't. When I wasn't feeling God because I wasn't trying to feel God. That's another thing. I don't feel God. Have you been trying to feel God? That's a good sermon too. When I, when I was not what I needed to be, when I wasn't, um, living like I should have been living, there were, I'm telling you, I, tr I tried to drift away from God. I tried. 
to drift away from God. And I got a certain distance away, but there was something holding me when I got to a place. There was something holding me, and, and, and I couldn't go beyond that place. You know why? Because my family had established some strong priorities, and, and I, I just, there were things that I did. I didn't even want to do them, but I did them because they were right to do. And I know the value of having godly priorities established in my life, and we need to recognize the value those still have. If you're going to have a fresh start, you're going to have to reprioritize some things. There are some things that that maybe they need to go by the wayside. And then there are other things that maybe they just need to go down the list. Is this not good? I'm not I'm not going to get up here tonight and preach to you and tell you, bless God, you better you better get rid of everything else in your life if it doesn't if it if it is not all about God first, it has no no. There's there's okay. There's room for recreation in your life. There's room for that. There's room for you to go out and fish. You know, God didn't say you had to go fish, but I think it's good for you to go fish. Not just talking about card games either. Whatever that thing is, because if I start preaching against all your stuff, I'll eventually have to start preaching against my stuff. You know, don't go deer hunting. Somebody's going to say, don't go ride those horses. And I'm going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, there's things that I'm not, I'm not even one of those preachers going to get up and tell you that everything's wrong. I don't preach against everything but fresh air. Okay. But I'm going to tell you, we need to be careful that we're prioritizing correctly. And there's things that it's okay for you to be involved with, but but it's not okay for them to take precedent over the things of God that are the things that truly matter. Some of those things are wood, hay, and stubble. But I'm wanting to build something that'll stand. Not just for a little while. I'm wanting to build something that'll stand for a long time. And that has to be built from rock. And there is only one rock to build from. That is Christ Jesus. We must recognize the value of prioritizing our lives correctly. And I am challenging you right now. Matter of fact, let's just every eye closed, every head bowed. I am challenging you right now in the fear of God to search your heart. And whatever areas of life that have gotten out of balance, that have that have leapt over other priorities that were more important, I'm challenging you right now to make a commitment to God to reevaluate your priorities and to put them in their proper places. Come on, let's pray right now. Would you do that? Hallelujah. 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 Lord, you see us in this room tonight. Lord, convict us in our hearts of the things that we need to be convicted of. God, stir us in the areas where we know 
things aren't what they should be. Help me, God, to make correct priorities. Help me, God, to reestablish the things that matter most. The other can be all right. It can, it can find its proper place in my life. But God, I don't want it to usurp anything that is of you. Anything, God, that you have called me to do. Or a way that you want me to live, God. I want these things to stand where they need to stand. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 There is a blessing in a fresh start. But the blessing only comes if we avail ourselves of what God is wanting to give to us. And that is that new beginning. And Paul looked at the church at Ephesus. And he said, you're, you're a church. You are the saints of God. He said, but you know there's some things you've been drifting back toward. There's some things that have gotten out of whack. And he said, I'm writing you this letter and I am telling you. It's time for you to get them right, throw away that old man, and put on that new man. Get rid of the old, put on the new. I'm praying that when we walk out of this room tonight, we walk out of this room new people in the name of Jesus. Let's stand together and let's give God praise. Can we do that?